Men of honor, strength, and integrity have long been essential in society. The Honorable Man Podcast is a celebration of such men. Here, we will discuss men in history and those today that exemplify what it means to be an honorable man. Let's go. All right, let's go. I am Ed Jones, and welcome to the Honorable Man Podcast, a podcast dedicated to men who've chosen the path of honor, strength, and integrity. If you're looking to become a better man, you've come to the right place. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, nine ways to heat yourself post shit hitting the fan, and the benefits of cold exposure. So what, a couple of weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, we did the benefits of heat exposure. Okay. So this time we're going to circle back. And Very make sure apropos. We, yeah, make moving sure to the cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, greetings to the loyal listener and greetings to you, producer Bill. How you doing, brother? It's been a, it's been a couple of weeks. It has been. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling good like Hunter Biden in a inner city playground. <laughs> Step on a crack and break your mother's back. So, again, it, uh, <laughs> it, it bears mentioning that, Tim, we are sans Mr. Hickey again. He is – I have an update from him. He will be – he went to the VA, and he needs both hips replaced. And Ooh. the first surgery is 926, so Ooh. about three weeks, three weeks from yesterday. And um, the other surgery will be six weeks ap- approximately after that initial surgery. So okay. thoughts and prayers to Tim. Yeah. Wish him a successful surgery, speedy recovery, and as not, as much pain management as possible up until then, because he's in, yeah he's hurting a little bit. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him. I've I've texted him and uh, harassed him uh, w- mm-hmm. and when I can, and he's uh, uh, he's Tim, and he's handling things as, as Tim would. But you know, it doesn't mean that prayers and and well wishing mm-hmm. won't go a long way because uh, I know they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. Get well, brother. Yes. All right. Do you have a quote for this week's episode? You know I do. And it is, sovereignty is not given, it is taken. And that comes from Musafa Kamal Aturik. I hope I pronounce his name Mustafa right. Mustafa Kamal Aturik. Mustafa, ooh. Aturik. Mustafa. Aturik. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Mustafa Kamal Aturik was a Turkish politician, writer, and soldier who became the founder and first president of Turkey from 1923 to 1938, shortly after the demise of the Ottoman Empire post-World War I. He began his career as a brave army commander in the Ottoman Empire's army. He uplifted the men who served under him and led them to some significant battle wins during World War I. After fighting against the puppet Ottoman Sultanate in Istanbul, Kamal's efforts, along with his nationalist associates in Ankara, led to the Ottoman Emperor Emperor fleeing. Kamal then went on to become the leader of the Republic of Turkey, which was founded in 1923. During his presidency, his sweeping reforms and programs had, and still have, an enormous impact on modern Turkey, turning the country into a beacon of secularism over the years. Owing to his numerous contributions, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk remains the most honored personality in his country, with his image busts and statues in every nook and cranny of Turkey. Outside the political arena, Ataturk was, written out, was a renowned orator and author. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the things he did um, once he became, you know, he founded the Republic of Turkey and once he became the leader of Turkey. Um, so he set for himself some, some pretty audacious goals um, in reforming 
you know, basically the entire political, social, social and economic system for, for the Turks. His ideology came to be known as Kamalism. Kamalism. Kamalism? Kamalism. Kamalism. Let's go with that. As long, long as it isn't Kamalism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want that. Yeah. Kamalism. A blend of republicanism, populism, nationalism, and secularism. Secularism. Hmm. Okay. He does, desired nothing more than to make Turkey a modernized economy with similar ideals as that of the West. During the dying years of the Ottoman Empire, technological advancements and political reforms had sharply stagnated. Kemal hoped to roll back the glory days of the defeated empire. Instead of look, instead of look for solutions in religion, he underpinned those sweeping re, his sweeping reforms with strong democratic systems, religious tolerance, and love for the nation. Hmm. So, I mean, it sounds like pretty basic stuff, right? Today, right? But this is 1920, 20, yeah. 28, 23? Yeah, that was pretty radical in a largely Muslim country. Yes. So, post the independence of Turkey, uh, Kemal looked to the West to incorporate their values into the Tur Turkish society. He even married a Western-educated woman in 1923. The couple became a model of the environment they were trying to create in Turkey. They also advocated the protection of women and the end of violence against women and children. He's quoted as saying, Everything we see in the world is the creative work of women. Starting in the early 1930s, Turkish women were given enormous political and civil rights. For example, the GNA Act, uh, number 1580 of April 1930, granted voting rights to women in local elections. By 1934, the country could boast of being one of the first few nations in the world to grant universal suffrage. Mustafa's strong advocacy for women resulted in the opening of the Turkish parliament to women. In the 1935 general election, a whopping 19 women won seats in the Turkish, Turkish parliament. It was a truly remarkable accomplishment for President Kemal Mustafa. Um, yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, that's, that's uh, especially in defiance of um, Muslim mm -hmm. nationalism, if you will, yeah. uh, that's, that's a big thing. That, uh, the, the whole suffrage movement is not very well received. To this day. In, to this, to day, this day, in, day. In, in, in traditional Muslim uh, nations. So that's very progressive, very forward-thinking. Yeah, again, so, I mean, 1934, this is, this, it's almost 100 years ago now. Just about. about 88 years, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, can't do public math, but um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the keys to his um, methodology was to, to, to move Turks' love from religion to the love of country. Mm. Uh, in, in a bid to reduce the extensive power religious leaders had on the people, Kemal closed a number of religious schools and courts. People's loyalty started to move from religion to the state. He also abolished the wearing of head covering at public institutions with his wife leading the reforms for gender, for gender issues. As was expected, he met with some pockets of resistance from the religious community. Bear in mind the country was an extremely homogeneous group that now had to embrace secularism and statism. It was quite a hard pill to swallow for many traditionalists and religious leaders. Some of these leaders had their organizations banned in order to make way for the reforms. Yeah, you know, you talk about homogeneous. I, I think of like Turkish bathhouses and. Uh, you that, know. That's a different kind of. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just I joking. You gotcha. That's my. Gotcha. Trying to be lighthearted there. <laughs> to help carry out his daunting task of reforming the entire country, Kamal set up the Republican People's Party on August 9, 1923, a party which he would serve as president until his death in 1938. 
His ideas of reforms were beautifully captured in the party's tenets, quote, six arrows, unquote, which were republicanism, nationalism, statism, industrialization, populism, secularism, and revolution. He was successful at creating a system that ensured that the country remained in perpetual revolution, not necessarily violent revolution, mm-hmm. but a constant, you know, right. a revolution of thought. Progression. Yeah. Yes. He hoped this would enable Turkey. He hoped this would enable Turkey to remain an economic and political powerhouse in the region for 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 the foreseeable future, which which it did. So yeah, I mean, here's a guy that I I really didn't know anything about, um, but as well, you know, he's the. George Washington of Turkey, you know. Yeah, uh, frankly, I honestly have never heard of this guy, and I, I like to think I'm somewhat studied. Um, interestingly enough that you bring up Turkey is I, I've been doing, as I do for the other podcasts, reading a lot about eschological things, and mm-hmm. I just recently learned that the seven churches that Christ addressed in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, 4, and 5, were all uh, located in modern-day Turkey. So that's kind of a weird parallel like I'm drawing here. But mm-hmm. this, was, this was good. I, hadn't, I was not aware of this gentleman. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and just an advocate, you know, marrying a Western woman. The, yes, uh, marrying outside. Of, I, I am familiar with the tenets of Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and mm-hmm. that a, a lot of this, what this guy did, I don't know what he died of, but I, I'm I'm surprised he wasn't um, Malcolm X, no pun intended, uh, just because everything that you shared with me is so against uh, the tenets of the, that Islamic faith, you know, like you stick within your yeah your guild if yeah. you will yeah. uh you know women are always considered a second class citizen mostly for the men's enjoyment and right. uh, things right. of that nature so everything that you're you're telling me about this gentleman is is very progressive uh especially for that time uh and even now in many regards considering the the circle of islam that uh this guy was dealing with um, it, that's impressive he died of cirrhosis of the liver. Okay. Apparently, he liked to drink. Okay. And he loved alcohol and cigarettes. There you go. Well, you know. <laughs> A true progressive. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So that's this week's uh, Honorable Man in History, okay. Mustafa Kamal Ataturk. And again, guys, I say this every so often, but 10,000-foot view of mm-hmm. these guys, by all means, there's there's volumes written about most of these fellows that we talk about, uh, you know. Do a deep dive at your at your at your leisure. Um, fascinating character. No, I well, thank you for bringing him to my attention. I'm going to definitely take mm-hmm. a look. I I, I do 100 percent agree with what he's saying. Sovereignty isn't given; it's taken, and I, I definitely can see the parallel and the applicability uh, to where we are right now, um, especially in in the West. Uh, so. Well, yeah, that's another thing we say a lot on this podcast is um, the United States, the West, and the United States in particular. Uh, Western civilization in the United States in particular are the anomaly in world history. Yeah. So you, the people that have been successful in, in taking hold of their own sovereignty are few and far between when we look in, in the entirety of yes. civilization, right? Most of the time you're under the, the boot of an authoritarian figure or party or what have you. Right. And, and it's interesting if you start to kind of pick that apart, a lot of it is genetic because there's a lot of studies out there that believe, you know, five or 10% of the population comes from some sort of nobility or some sort of ruling class where the other 90 to 95% are the, you know, the lemmings, the probes, if you will, uh, as Orwell said. So uh, you're right. We are an anomaly. We are the exception, certainly not the rule. Uh, and right. sadly, we need yeah. to uh, not let that go 
dying into that that great light but yeah okay guys so uh shit hits the fan um this week we're going to talk about nine ways to heat yourself post shit hitting the fan um this comes from personal liberty and as always we will link the article this blog post in the show notes um and I, I do hope that you guys have an opportunity to, to every now and again check out the the links that we provide because these take you to blogs that have been around for a long time and have generated a lot of content on all the things we talk about, health and wellness, um, shit hitting the fan, on the occasion that we link to a um, honorable man in history, um, some sort of um, research, like the, the, the Mustafa Kemal Editeric uh, comes from the information I just shared comes from World History Edu, mm. so I'll be sure to share that as well. It's a, it's a basically a blog on, on world history. Yeah, and I w- I would say because I have followed some of those links, they'll lead you down a really good and productive rabbit trail. Right, where, as opposed to YouTube. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. TikTok. You know, I, I look up a video on how to change a light socket. Next thing you know, I'm like looking at the frogs are gay. Uh, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> as, as my Alex Jones book is right here, but. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. When shit hits the fan, the first things first thing most people will focus on is trying to find food and then water. But if you're a prepper, you know that while water is critically important to your long-term survival, the ability to stay warm and to heat yourself post-shit hitting the fan can mean the difference between life and death. Frostbite and hypothermia can set in very quickly. In fact, in less than five minutes on cold days when the wind is blowing, and even in moderate weather if moderate weather if you are wet. So one of the major things that preppers need to plan for when shit hits the fan is how to stay warm in your home or other shelter and how to heat yourself if you are stranded outdoors unexpectedly for any length of time. In fact, knowing and planning for ways to heat yourself and stay warm is important even for short-term emergencies like power outages. So ways to keep your body warm. Conduction. Prevent the direct transfer of heat from your body by using a sleeping bag if you're outdoors or a pad of thick blankets or a thick layer of dry debris between you and the cold ground. Anything you can put down between you and the ground or use to raise yourself up off the ground will help to slow your loss of body heat and will keep you warmer. I don't know if I've shared this story before, but when I was young, we used to, a bunch of us would stay the night at any anyone's house and we'd stay outside and we'd fall asleep under the starlights. And it'd be summertime, and you'd sure. wake up in that cold ground in the morning, and yeah. it's bone cold. You, it, it just it just sucks. It sucks the, the heat, heat right out, right of you, out of right you. into the yeah. ground. You're exactly right, and I guess that's uh, that's conduction. <laughs> I, I well, guess that's a technical term. I, I guess so. Yes, um, is that a Newtonian the transfer? Newtonian transfer? physics principle? Yeah, maybe, I don't maybe. know. I know this one: convection. Okay. Uh, body heat is lost when air moves over exposed skin. Cover up. Also called, it's called wind chill. Mm-hmm. We all know that if you're outside, it is a good idea to have gloves, scarf, insulated boots in, in, when you're in colder climates. If your mother was anything like mine, she told you to cover your head because she was convinced that you lost most of your body heat through the top of your head. This old wives' tale has actually been proven false in recent years. In truth, you lose the same amount of heat through the top of your head as from any other body part with a similar area of exposed skin. Huh. I didn't know that. I, I, didn't, I did not I, either. I didn't know that old old wives' tale had been debunked. Yeah, suck it, Mom. <laughs> but even though you don't lose most of your body heat through your head, you could still have a body heat loss of up to 10% by leaving your head exposed. Hmm. So in addition to covering other body parts, covering your head with a hat, blanket, or scarf can help you retain body heat and therefore stay warmer. 10% still seems like a rather significant amount, though. So I, I, I would, you know, especially, I don't know these global warming 
nut jobs are talking about, but I know the last couple of winters to me have felt like just frigid. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, being in a position like shoveling the driveway or whatever, it's so important to not leave any, any trace of that, especially, you know, in this area where, you know, summers are really nice, but we also get the backside of that coin. Uh, I think that the, the convection aspect is yeah. so important. Just, uh, you know, we're obviously talking about shit at the fan, but even just in our own like day-to-day life, going out to the car. Like I know a lot, uh, um, if my uh, wife hears this, she'll probably be upset, but like not carrying a jacket, I'm just going to run to the car. Well, that's not really serving you your purpose because you're waiting for the car to warm up. And yeah. so, you know, common sense. It's, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you find yourself in a survival situa- situation without layers, or if you are still cold, you can use a heat-reflecting blanket, such as a space blanket or even paper, newspaper, or any kind of dry debris, such as grass or leaves, to stop wind from getting through your clothing to your skin if you have nothing else. Number three, radiation. Uh, use layers to trap air. Another good way to heat yourself post-shit hitting the fan is to always wear layers of clo- clothing. Layers help to trap the heat. Your body dissipates naturally. The middle layer serves as extra insulation. It needs to be something that moist air can pass through. Fleece down, even wool are great options for the middle layer. The outer layer is the shell and should be both breathable and waterproof. Number four, evaporation. One of the best ways to heat yourself post shit hitting the fan is to control the amount of heat that evaporates from your body. Evaporation loss happens when we get too sweaty. Mm, This is why when using clothing layers, the layer closest to your skin should be something that breathes and wicks away moisture, such as merino wool or a synthetic blend. Any kind of barrier, such when mom used to put plastic bags over your sock feet, will limit the heat loss by evaporation. Did you do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You remember that? The the schwables on. (laughs) Maybe put put on your. Yeah, in the moon boots. Put on your boots. Yeah, Yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. It worked. Your feet were sweaty. Yeah. Well, yeah. I this all these tips are so important. I, I'm just, I'm, you know, we're sitting here early September, mm-hmm. and I just even this over the Labor Day weekend as we're recording this, like you can feel the significance. Uh, even this morning, as I started going from my walk with my dogs, I'm like, yeah, it's gonna. Oh, you can tell. You can yeah, tell, especially today. Yeah, today felt like a fall day. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. Keep moving. If you've spent any amount of time outdoors, you probably know that you feel warmer when you are moving than when you are sitting still. This is because heat is generated by muscular work. To put it simply, movement causes your body to produce heat. So another way to heat yourself is to keep moving as much as possible. All right, so guys, that's uh, how to heat your body when you're outside. The rest of the article goes into ways to kind of heat treat your house. Uh, ways to keep heat in your house should shit hit the fan. Uh, again, we'll link to the show notes. Within the show notes, we'll link this article. Feel free to read it at your le- leisure. There's some good stuff here. It's Personal Liberty. Um, and this blog is presented by the Personal Liberty Media Group. Okay. Any thoughts on that? You know, oh, man, I, they're just they're, everything that you're saying, you know, because I do watch a lot of guys on YouTube, oddly enough, who, you know, they talk about a lot of the same things we do and, you know, getting overworked in the winter and starting to perspire is such a danger that we don't even realize. And, right, right. You know, right. so when you talk about having removable layers that you can control your temperature, especially if you're outside and you, in a shit hit the fan situation, if you find yourself overexerting and starting to sweat, um, you're producing more body heat, which is good. 
However, the the bad in that is that that sweat is also, um, you know, perspiration is a, a liquid form that once you start to cool down, it will also cool down uh, and have a, a negative effect on your body. Uh, the other thing I would say, and this is just because I'm a conspiracy theorist, I'm really <laughs> interested in knowing what the, the house prep would be. Um, we, you know, we just purchased a home that has a huge fireplace. I am one who's personally convinced that there's going to be mass energy crisis um, across the country, much like we saw in Texas earlier this year. Uh, so if you have a stove, a wood-burning stove, uh, things of that nature, uh, or if you're thinking about getting it, I would suggest doing that because I think having autonomy of your surroundings, uh, not allowing anyone but you and the Almighty dictate uh, your level of comfort or safety, I think is of the utmost importance, especially moving into uh, this time of the year. Oh, yeah, right on. Good stuff. You're, you're exactly right. As much, as much control that you can take or over all those types of things, water, food, heating, yeah. cooling, all those things. I mean, you're never going to be 100% independent unless right. you're completely off the grid, but um, get get some backup plans in place, Some you know, store some water, some mm-hmm. food, have, have an idea of how you're going to keep yourself warm in the winter, cool in the yeah. summer. Yeah, even uh, my my folks, I remember this during the winter, they'd have a big kerosene heater right in I was in just the thinking m- about kerosene heaters today because we we lived, I mean, in the winter, yeah. that was that was a go-to at my house. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it's and, cheap. It was. Well, I, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I haven't looked into kerosene in a long time. Well, as, as we've been looking at houses, there's all different kinds of heating forms, and we're. I don't want to give the government too much away, but we're we're trying to find positions or assets in the new home that allow us to have as much autonomy uh, as we can. So, you know, having a, like a, a a house that has a, a wood burning stove where you can either completely heat or supplementally heat your dwelling, that means that you are that much more in control uh, of your comfort or in your, in your safety in this regard. Like for us, like we said, we just found a house with a big fireplace. Um, that might not be the end all to be all. However, that's certainly going to allow us a little more autonomy, at least in a limited space than not having, uh, you know, with a kerosene heater, or propane, like there's Mr. Buddy heaters and things like that now. And all these forms of energy are now be, being, I believe, purposefully, um, the prices are being purposely pumped up and uh, accelerated. But if you can get that now, you just have that much more control. And the government fears people who have autonomy, who understand and value freedom, which I believe is the core of everything that we discuss here. 100%. So, uh, you know, these little things, like, and if you're thinking about getting a wood-burning stove, I would definitely recommend don't hesitate do it. Most times they're, they come with kits. They're easy to install. If you have any kind of ingenuity at all, uh, you'll be able to do it. And it's just, if you don't use it, that's okay. You have it. It's insurance. And that's my, that's my thought because I really do believe that what we saw in Texas um, you know, with the big green movement, they couldn't produce enough power. And once again, because I'm a conspiracy theorist, I believe a lot of that was purposefully created. Uh, we've been seeing that in, in California for years now, and even they're now regulating the amount of air conditioning that you can use. I'm glad you brought that up because I, yeah. I have an anecdote. Yeah, well, okay. So my point being is any kind of autonomy that you can have, your heat, your safety, your wood, or uh, yeah, wood, fire, water, food, medical, so on and so forth, you are that much more prepared and you're that much more ready to take the world on. 
So this is again somewhat an anecdotal, but we have a customer in in Los Angeles for the, for the company I work for, who's good friends with my coworker, and they were they were just talking over the weekend, and he has has a newborn baby, and he came home. For, you know, it's been like 105 degrees out in California for the last mm-hmm. week or so, um, LA and Los Angeles, <laughs> Los Angeles County. Came home, his wife, newborn baby, came up to him and said, "The thermostat's not working." He has one of those Nest thermostats that's on a network and all that. Happy horse. Excel shit. and all, yeah. Or not Excel, uh, Microsoft, sorry. Couldn't get it to go below 78. Yes. Couldn't get it below 78. Couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Made some calls. Turns out that they're regulating the amount or, or how, how cool you can keep yeah. your house now in, in Los Angeles. So if you don't think these things are coming no, on no, a larger they're scale, here. They're, they're here for yeah. they're here in particular states that have that are ushering in that stuff mm-hmm. at breakneck speed. Um, and all I can say is, keep voting for that shit. Well, <laughs> you know, and and, and with that, that and with that, you know, a lot of times we think, well, we have solar. So we can offset that, but a lot of municipalities require that if you do have solar, that it's piped into the grid. In, yeah, yeah, not it's you're not like uh, unless you have some kind of a setup where you can have uh, no what battery you're doing banks is you're or generating whatever. credits is what you do. Uh, yeah, and and it all ties into and I'm, maybe we'll go down the line in this in another episode. But you know the social credit score, mm-hmm. uh, which is something we talk about all the time on the other podcast is I, I refer to this mark of the beast, mm-hmm. globalist Luciferian death cult system, which is just not even hiding anymore it's not even subversive like you're talking with your your colleague and, and oddly enough i just watched a report that's happening in colorado uh in december there was a, a gentleman who was talking about today um and i saw this clip and uh they were he was making such a fuss about it they put him on the news and you know he's like i have solar and i i just learned that i you know i'm not tied in i'm not control over any of that and i can't go over 78 it's been you know 100 whatever like you're saying uh, so this is in Denver. This is in Colorado, which is entirely another state, a uh, blue state, albeit. But um, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's we, a thing. It's keep, a thing. If we keep if we keep humoring these climate alarmists, you're going to see more and more of this stuff across the country, where mm-hmm. they are going to tell you what temperatures you can keep your house at. I think France or someone someone in Europe um, has has had shutdown days due mm-hmm. to climate. Climate yes. alarm, climate alarms. I don't even know what that means. I don't. Even, I don't I, well, who, I mean, who I judges think, who? Who? What are the parameters? I think the best thing to do is move right next to Obama's fifteen million dollar mansion, right in Martha's Vineyard. Sure, right on the water. It's, right. <laughs> Worried about those sea levels rising. Oh, anyway. All right, health and wellness. So we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago. We did uh, the benefits of heat exposure. Today, we're going to talk about the benefits of cold exposure. And yesterday, I did. 30 minutes in the sauna, okay. five-minute cold shower, Okay. 30 minutes, five, 30 minutes, five. Did it three times. Wow. In one day? Amazing, yeah. You, 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 you're rather spry today. It was so my, maybe... it was, yesterday was a, was a, was a me day. <laughs> <laughs> a self-care I had day. My own, I had my own, a sa- mental health I had day. my own spa day at my nice. house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you have this effervescent oh, yeah, spry yeah. radiance Glowing. about you. Yes. Yes. You're beaming. <laughs> All right. Nine benefits of cold exposure. Number one, increased metabolic rate. Arguably one of the sexiest benefits of cold exposure is an increase in energy expenditure, which it accomplishes by activating brown adipose tissue, brown fat. Mm -hmm. Remember we talked about brown fat? Uh, Yes, the racist fat. Yeah. 
brown adipose tissue, bat, metabolically active thermogenic tissue, tissue designed to generate heat and help regulate body temperature. In essence, activation of bat is an energy-wasting process that results in increased metabolic rate. So you want to increase your metabolism. Cold exposure. Freeze yourself. Yeah. In one study, researchers found overweight, obese men dressed in T-shirts and shorts whose cold exposure involved sitting in a cold room, roughly 58 degrees, for up to six hours a day, experienced a 14% increase in metabolic rate after just 10 days. I wonder if that's because, like, your body kind of constricts and starts to shiver to create more... Uh, like like working out, if you're you know doing jumps up, jumping jacks or sit ups, like creates more heat. Mm-hmm. Like I'm wondering if that's because you're you're like shivering and your body's trying. Well, to... Well, the body's trying to maintain the core temperature right. of whatever your core temperature is. Generally, right around ninety eight six, and it'll do whatever it needs to do. It'll burn whatever it has to do to protect your internal organs. That's what it's all about. Okay, that's basically what it all is. Right. Um, so you're you're it's you're turning on your internal furnace in essence. Well, if too bad if you live in California, you're SOL. I'm gonna say crank your crank your AC down to like 56 and oh, get your banana you can, hammock. Get, and, yeah. Yeah. Increase fat, uh, number two, increase fat burning and fat use. If boosting you metabolic rate isn't sexy enough for you, how about increased fat burning? If I'm speaking your lingo now, then let's add another feather to the cap of cold exposure. To keep the body warm, the body increases rates of both fat breakdown and use, which is necessary to fuel the increased metabolic rate. In one study, researchers put study participants in a cool room, 67 degrees, and had them wear a 62-degree cooling vest for roughly 90 minutes. After just 30 minutes, metabolic rate had increased by 16.7%, while fat burning increased by a substantial 72.6%. Wow. So again... Your, your body's going to do whatever it has to do to, to maintain an internal core okay. temperature. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Number three, improved insulin sensitivity and glycemic control. Researchers also view cold exposure as a tool to combat type 2 diabetes, thanks to its potential impact on insulin sensitivity and metabolic health. In other words, cold exposure may not have, may not have only an anti-obesity effect. It may also have an anti-diabetic effect. For example, research has, research has shown that activation of BAT can increase the uptake of blood glucose, which can either be burned as fuel or stored as glycogen for later use. This results in a decrease in blood glucose and increase in insulin sensitivity. Hmm. Wow. Number four, reduced inflammation and pain. This is probably one of the more well-known benefits of cold exposure, yet it bears mentioning because there are many assumptions, some of which are not supported by research. For instance, cold water immersion is common post-exercise activity recovery treatment because it is believed to reduce muscle fatigue and soreness. However, the results of cold therapy on muscle soreness are mixed. While some studies have shown it can reduce exercise-related soreness, there's some evidence that suggests it may make the pain worse. So some studies show that it reduces exercise-related soreness, and some show that it actually makes the pain worse. <laughs> You're damned if you do and damned yeah, if having, you don't. Having said all that, cold exposure is often used to alleviate inflammation and muscular skeletal pain in conditions like arthritis and fibromyalgia. In one study, participants with inflammatory arthritis who took a two-minute cold shower each day for a week experienced significant reductions in pain. Hmm. So, something to that. 
Um, in general, cold exposure leads to vasoconstriction and reduces blood flow, which in turn reduces inflammation in tissue, tissues within and around injured sites. That makes sense. Number five, improved mood. Believe it or not, cold exposure may also boost mood and feelings of being well. In one study, researchers found that 15 whole body cryotherapy sessions led to significant reductions in depression and anxiety scores in patients with depressive and anxiety disorders. Well, I, I for one, understand that because when you when you do cryotherapy, you're like, it, it's like negative 170 degrees Fahrenheit, just this cold air blowing on you. Right. And you're just happy to survive it when you come out of there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, have you ever... You're in a great mood. Well, I'm sure I was going <clears throat> to say, like, most people were miserable when they're hot. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the dog days of summer and people are pissing and moaning because it's so hot. So when it's, you know, this time, everybody loves autumn. Everybody loves the fall, yeah. you know. So I think that just goes to verify and illustrate that point. Improved quality of sleep, number six. You've probably heard that it's a good idea to yeah. turn down the thermostat at night to ensure a good night's sleep. The rationale is that a cooler bedroom between 60 and 67, ooh, 60, ooh, helps reduce mm. core temperature, which facilitates sleep. Not surprisingly, body temperature is a strong driver of circadian rhythms. Mm. In fact, similar to light, temperature is one of the environmental cues that ables, that's able to reset the body's circadian clocks. Huh. That makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that tracks. Number seven, increased alertness and focus. Um, this may seem like an odd benefit riding on the coattails of better sleep quality. However, there's no debating that a cold shower can wake you and your body up, promoting a higher state of alertness. Oh, yep, that's true. The cold also stimulates deeper breathing, help, helping increase oxygenation of the body's tissues. Hmm. Okay. Number eight, enhanced resilience and stress tolerance. That's just your yeah. ability to, to withstand... Pain well, and suffering. I mean, I remember, I, I forgot, it wasn't David Gergens, but it was somebody like that who was like this cold, what was it? Take a shower, then at the end for 30 seconds. Just blast the just cold. Just blast the cold. And I, like, yeah. I got through like three days of that. I'm like, no, screw this. So, so for one of one of our club's 30-day challenges, my, my buddy of mine, um, one of the club members was going to just take nothing but cold showers for the entire month. Well, he didn't. Do he wasn't successful. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. did a lot, though. I mean... You know, probably 75% of his showers were cold. Wow, good. That's, Hands off to you, sir. That, that's You know what? I shave in the shower, and you can't shave in a cold shower. That just, it's no, painful. That's, that's, yeah. that's, well, that's I mean, even, masochistic. Even if you shave, like, in the sink, in the waters, cold, even yeah. room temperature, yeah. you can't. Cold do. shave is the worst. It's, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to enhance resilience and stress tolerance to expose yourself to extreme colds. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's building building yeah. tolerance, it's building toughness, it's a scab. It's well I think that yeah. even that's holistically beneficial. Mm -hmm. So do hard stuff every day. Yeah. Number nine, improved brain power and cognitive function. Hmm. Considering the benefits of hormones and the enhancement of in resiliency, it may not surprise you that cold exposure can also be good for the brain and lead to better brain function. One recent study showed that people with mild cognitive impairment showed improvements in tests for memory after whole body cryotherapy. So, oh, I was wrong. Uh, whole body cryotherapy is from negative 200 to negative 300 degrees Fahrenheit. I've done it. I've done it a bunch of times, and it is... Negative what? 200 to 300 degrees Fahrenheit. You're standing in like a... It looks Good like Lord. you're standing in like a... Um, uh, like a, a beer cooler? Uh, like a, like a um, tanning bed. Oh. On its end, so your head's oh. sticking out, and you stand. Okay, and, yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. The, the thing around you is like blowing super cold air on you. Well, negative two hundred to three hundred. Right. And the place I did uh, was called, I believe, Syner Synergy in uh, Cleveland, 
you're in there with someone because you, you can't go in there yourself because if you pass out and fall oh, down, you're, you're yeah. fro- you'll be a block of ice. Right. So you basically stand there and they're talking. They're talking to you to keep your mind off of it. And they have you turn for three minutes. Just slowly And you're turn. standing the you're whole time. You're standing the whole time. And then as soon as that three minutes is up, the door opens. You come out in there and you're like, pow. I feel like you could run through a wall. You just feel, <laughs> you feel amazing. You know what always cracks me up is like, who the hell thought of this? Like, who was the first person that said, I'm going to drop my You know what it started with? It started with, put ice on that. It's going to take the swelling down. And then we just keep going and going and well, going and yeah. going and going and going. And but now, I mean, you know, f- ice isn't good enough. Let's go to negative 300. Right. I'm just, I'm just thinking like... <laughs> Who, this like being in a room like you know you and I are hanging out you're like hey Bill let's uh let's see how cold we can get a room right. and you know I'm like what mm, no no well did you ever play freeze out when you were with your buddies driving down the highway in the winter we used to roll the windows down and see <laughs> yeah. see who rolled their window up first right freeze yeah out. yeah so how do you get started with cold cold exposure uh, pretty pretty simple guys cold and contrast showers cold water immersion you can do whole body cryotherapy especially if you live near a larger metropolitan area they you might be able to find somebody that has them the 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 equipment is really expensive i'm sure for cryo um but like you said there's if, if you're around a, a big city you should be able to find we have one in cleveland turn down your thermostat go outside in cold temperatures i mean that's as simple as going out on a winter's day with just a, a t-shirt and shorts on and yeah shoes obviously boots or whatever but you know that's it that's it that's uh, it's pretty easy to do um the benefits are, are numerous and I, I can i personally can attest to to uh, the benefits of cold exposure, especially when coupled with heat exposure. Um, but, yeah. No, that's great. So go outside, Bill. Uh, that's yes. only 70 degrees. Out okay, there. I'll see you later. <laughs> it's not going to do you any good. Yeah, so well. that's what we got to do. We got we to gotta have a cold challenge this year and the, well, do selfies when we're out in the, the coldest environment. and Like make a little igloo mm-hmm. with, little, with little snow furniture. Lay down, and... lay down in the snow. Wow, there you go. All right, hey, well. God bless you if you do. All right, this uh, this episode's man of dishonor is Ruben Zarat. Ruben Zarat, an 18-year-old, was shot and wounded by police after a robbery. The suspect came to a muffler shop armed and asked for the money in the safe. After employees told him only the owner knows the combination and that he wasn't there, Ruben left his phone number with the employees and told them to call him back when the owner arrived. <laughs> no, 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 no. In this bizarre case, the suspect left the suspect left two phone numbers with the store on March on March 26, 2008, at a Northwest Side muffler shop in Chicago. The employee said a masked man with a revolver came around came in around 8 a.m. demanding money, but was told that the boss was not available to open the safe. The stupid criminal, brain of a teen, thought it would be a good idea to leave his phone number. He threatened to shoot the employees if they didn't if they. <laughs> If they didn't give his number to the owner. <laughs> After he left, they called the Chicago police and told him about the incident and gave him the police officer, gave the police officers his number. <laughs> they waited for him there. The cops waited for him. He came back around noon wearing the same clothes, tried to pull a gun out of his sweatshirt, and the officer shot him. He was treated, treated for a wound that was reported as life, non-life-threatening. <laughs> I... Ruben Zarat, Z-A-R-A-T-E, wow. just to make sure that he gets his full recognition. Well, I, I, wow, I, wow. You know, just when you think you, you hear it all, you, you know, you, well, thank, thank you, Ruben, for. We're never going to hear it all. No, I just. Every day. I don't know. Well, yeah. Although, you know, you, you generally hear that 
and, and I don't know because, you know, I think the worst thing I ever did was maybe blow up a mailbox when I was a kid. But you, you hear that criminals, unless you're like Lex Luthor or something, like they generally aren't like the sharpest right. knife there's criminal the mastermind. And yeah. then there's everybody else. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So yeah. I want to rob you. You tell me that the owner has the combination. I leave you my number. You call me to tell me that the owner's there to come back. Meanwhile, you've brought the police in. And... I mean, Kaiser Soze, he was not. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh Kaiser So-So. <laughs> All right, guys, this week's call to action is become sovereign. Become sovereign. Um, sovereignty is basically complete independence and or self-government. So whatever you can do to become as independent and as self-governing, as autocratic as possible, now's the time to do it. Um, I, I, I tell you, do it, do it now, do it quickly, uh, be thorough, uh, and tell only those that you trust, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just, the older I'm getting, the more I'm valuing my autonomy in every aspect of my life. Um, and what I'm starting to see is there is a pattern of that autonomy, being challenged, threatened, and thwarted. It's hard to do. They don't want I, you to do I, it. I, you know, just like even today, just learning more about the solar and thinking that there is a, a level of independence there, but no, you're still getting getting up the tailpipe. But yeah. um, I, I, I am one who personally does not see the sunny side of things. That's just how I am. And I'm more pragmatic and logical. I personally believe, and I've said this on other episodes, that there's an energy crisis looming. There's a food shortage looming. There's, uh, you know, a, a lot of stuff that we're going to be dealing with. And I think if you look back, you, a lot of the things that we're sharing with you could potentially um, better or save your life. So, uh, you know, take that for what you will. Prioritize water, food, shelter, heat. And like Bill said, start to develop fallback positions or methods with which to attain those things or um, have stores of those things should you need them down the road. Yeah. You got nothing to lose. And all that stuff's inflation proof. If, right. if, if you do store water, food, whatever, okay, great. It's not like you're not going to use it. Right. Um, you know, and, and you're right. So shelter, heat, fire, uh, water, those are, those are the big things. You know, if, 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 if I lost my job or both Jen and I lost our jobs and we were shit out of luck for a little while, we've got about six months worth of food. Yeah. So if we really had to tighten our purse strings, we could, we could do that. Yeah. And we have, you know, a and, couple months worth of water and right. Oh, plenty of firewood. Yeah. So, I mean, in. Once again, I, I don't want to be the naysayer of things, but in this, the climate we're in, I don't see that would be a far-fetched notion. Not that you're going to lose your job, right. but just in any kind of a scenario, right. in a grid-down scenario, having a fireplace and having food, you're, you're already heads and tails mm -hmm. above the majority of people. And like I said, with us recently being in a position of looking for a house, 
trying to find a house with a wood-burning stove or with a fireplace just just for that benefit alone it's been so challenging because um i actually recently found out that a lot of houses made after um the early 80s uh it was like an osha thing or an epa regulation excuse me that they weren't putting um the old fireplaces or and so on and so forth because of some bs environmental thing but to me i look at that as like you are robbing me of my autonomy Mm -hmm. i don't think having a fire in in a fireplace in my home is going to be as detrimental to the environment as you are leading me to believe but nonetheless no no you're right you're 100 percent right they don't want you to be independent um guys the world needs honorable men more than ever it's time to get out there step up get involved and be honorable see you next week